episode opens with another shot over St. Fleur. The sun is higher in the sky now, reflecting off of the Lake Superior. The city is starting to wake up and come to life for the day. There's noise, just that roar of the city. And we start with Alistair. You have a couple of hours before Theodora's going to be here to pick you up. You doing anything to prep for that? Alistair probably, like, I don't want to say he's got meditation. He definitely has some sort of, like, exercises he does to calm himself down. Other than that, though, I think during the time that he's waiting around, he would try to use that potion from the night before to sort of, I'm imagining it's almost like a scrying potion. He wants to take a peek at the square without actually going down there. Roll to let it out. Let's see how that potion went. That's an eight. So on a hit, choose one and mark corruption. I think I am quite obviously extending my senses, supernatural or otherwise, to peer through this potion into the events in the square. You get a shot of what's going on in the square. You see first the uh, chief of police, who you are at least passingly familiar with, as many in the supernatural community are. And standing next to her is someone who looks fairly similar to her, but younger and clearly a detective. And they're having a sort of intense conversation. And then you see the fountain and the body and what looks like somebody who has been clawed, their throat ripped out with teeth. And you recognize this as Kieran Shearer. You grew up in Five Points. You probably knew Kieran pretty well. What did Kieran keep in their shop for you? I feel like Alistair's probably got like a very specific kind of alcohol that he drinks. Like it's not fancy, but it's very obscure, if that makes sense. So I think that that was the reliable place that he could pick it up from. So yeah, you know Kieran well. They always kept that imported liquor that you drink in their shop for you. And they basically sold it to you at cost. They weren't necessarily a friend of yours, but they were a friend of everyone in Five Points, if that makes sense. Past Kieran, you see that there is Kieran's shop with two police officers walking into it. You see Silk leave Midnight Rose's apartment. And I think those are kind of the glimpses that you get with your potion. All right. How long have I got between now and the meeting I've got with my cousin? A couple of hours, somewhere between three to six. I think Alistair's gonna throw on his peacoat and take a stroll down to the shop, see what's going on. You head down to the shop in time to see one of the male police officers walk out of the shop, carrying like the ledger and a few other personal files and stuff from the shop. Clearly, they're starting to investigate if maybe there's anything in the shop that leads to the causes of this murder. The coroner has showed up and is talking to the chief of police, um, who seems to be very adamant right now about not moving the body. But the coroner's like, hey, there's a dead body in the square. It's setting like rigor mortis. We need to move it. So is the shop like... Is it blocked off? Is it on sort of lockdown right now? Yeah, you would have to go under some police tape to get in there or go through the back entrance. Alistair, as much as he generally loves going in through the back door, is going to make a dramatic about face and make his way up to the chief of police. Attempting to be casual, he's just like, Chief Margaret, how distressing to find you so close to home today. All right, so you and her have a history, I can tell. Oh yeah, you know Chief Margaret pretty well because she was the one who handled your parents' case. Yes. Ileana looks at you and like pinches her nose. Oh, the young Lockwood, what can I do for you? Well, I do appreciate your ever-mindfulness of your public servant place in the world, but I think it seems to be more of... 
What I can do for you at this moment, and he looks down at the, uh, rended body in the middle of the square. It seems like you, uh, have a little bit of a case on your hand here, do you not? Well, I wouldn't have noticed that at all. Charming. Just like you. You can tell her patience is already wearing real thin with this conversation, like very much a get to the point. So what do you know here? Any leads you may need followed up on? I do wish to keep this neighborhood safe, of course. Oh, you and my idiot son. Um, murder happened sometime between 4 a.m. and 6.30 a.m. I'm very suspicious of this entire circlet thing. There's a lot of blood. I can tell what it looks like, and I can tell you it's not what it looks like. And the coroner wants to move the body, so I'm running out of excuses to keep him from moving the body. That's all I got. If you need some help, I can work some of the magical arts in our favor. Go on. What are you proposing? Well, the coroner needs not necessarily to have the body so much as... To believe that he does, if you get my drift. And if you would like to owe me something for doing so, well, if I scratch your back, I wouldn't mind having mine scratched as well. I need you to roll to persuade an NPC here. That's a six. She growls a little bit at your suggestion. Look, if I let you take this body or do whatever you're going to do. It's going to come up at some point and I will throw you under the bus for days. You sure you want to do this? Oh Lord, no. I'd never attempt to take a body from you. What would I do with that? I simply was offering to get the coroner off of your case, but shall that not be necessary? I suppose I will go on about my day. I do have my own business to attend to. Then go. Please. Um, And as you walk away, like, you see her, like, pull out a pair of medical gloves to go help the coroner with the body. All right. Alistair will probably go on about his day then. Jeremiah, I think you came around back to the square while that entire conversation was going down. Yeah. He definitely wants to, like, try and get a look at the body. Who's going to call Victor first? He lost track of him. And try and get in with Victor's mom. When did I become dispatch? God. All right. Victor opens his phone. Hello. Victor, old boy. Um, I do think we can call it even on uh, you running off and leaving me back there to a drama police in my own way. Um, I warned you. I'd... Yes, I, I figured something bad would happen. That's why I'm calling it even. Um... The chief of police, your lovely mother. I was wondering if you'd be able to do me a favor. I'm not setting you up on a date. Uh, God, no, no. Oh, anything but that. Was, whew, no, I, I don't. No. Uh, none of that, please. Oh, what I was going to say uh, is that... Uh, have you offered me a little introduction to her? Uh, since she seems so reluctant to move a body... And I'm something of an expert in moving dangerous artifacts. I figure could get that cleaned up very, very quickly. You know, I think police have procedures for um, expert witnesses and consultation. I wouldn't know. But... Well, she will. Sure. Put her on the phone. And well, you see, I'll let her know is, who you are. Uh, well, I don't know her, so I'm not going to approach her. I was figuring uh, you call her first, um, give her my number, and then we can talk, and I just happen to be no, nearby. No, we're not playing three rounds of phone tag. I've had too many calls already. Uh, Go very over to well. the crime scene and hand her your phone. Alright. Uh, if you insist, and Jeremiah will approach and try and uh, get the lovely police chief's attention. You see her uh, starting to walk away from that conversation with Alistair and like pulling out the medical gloves from her pocket. And you have an opening. Uh, excuse me, uh, Police Chief Margaret. Might I have a quick word of you? She looks you up and down and mentally immediately groups you with Alistair. 
Uh, I'm very sorry, I seem to have caught you at a bad time, but I do believe a mutual acquaintance of ours has informed me about a little situation that we should probably rectify quickly, and I do believe my skill set is needed. And Jeremiah will pass her his phone. She looks at the name on the phone. Victor, what the fuck? He knows magical artifacts. He might be able to help you. Astrid wants you to come over for dinner tonight. If I do that, she owes me. She owes you a debt anyways, because she doesn't know what the fuck's going on with this artifact, and she doesn't want to let some idiot human accidentally fuck with it. Oh, thank you very much, old boy. Uh, I'm sure we'll bump into each other later. Yeah, probably. Goodbye. Just how you normally end. Victor hangs up. Coroner Walker, um, come here for a moment. And like the coroner's like, the fuck? But it's not about to ignore the police chief. When he comes over, Ileana does a quick introduction of, this is Mr. Crawford. He is an expert when it comes to artifacts such as the one that is upon the body's head. We do need to collect that for evidence and we have called him in to help us move it appropriately. Can you please let him do that before you move the body? And the coroner can't really say no to the police. So Jeremiah, you got an opportunity to go get that uh, DM. All right. He will do it pompously. Silk, what are you up to? I think the crowd around uh, the body is still the most interesting thing going on. So I'm just watching. That diadem is rather interesting. I'll see if I can walk up to the police line and just call out, Oh, well, that looks like an interesting item on his head. What do you think it is? Are you asking, like, one of the police officers standing there? I'm just saying it out loud, loud enough that Jeremiah could hear it. Jeremiah will show you, shoot you a very pointed look, and he will pull out a handkerchief and a little carrying case from his messenger bag. Uh, but he keeps around for carrying delicate objects and carefully remove the diadem. Well, probably spinning some yarn about it being a valuable antique and needs to be removed carefully, handled properly, and Jenna just kind of like piss the coroner off. I think you're able to do this. You deal with cursed artifacts. You know what's up with that. And as you get it like clicked into the case, when you turn around, you see that Chief Margaret standing there with an evidence bag. This is actually something I think I might be able to help with. Silk and Jeremiah have worked together before, and Silk knows that Jeremiah likes things like this. I think I would like to do him a favor here and use my glamours to make it look like something is going into that bag. Yeah, you can do that. With your fairy magic, you have three different possible costs for how you cast. What cost are you taking to cast? Let's fast track that uh, corruption. So Jeremiah, as you're standing there, like you can still feel the item in your hand. But you also see, like, your arm move and place it in the bag. And Silk winks. Jeremiah will take advantage of this opportunity to slip the real artifact into his bag. Ileana, like, seals the bag and hands it to one of the police near her and then tells the coroner, Okay, go ahead and move the body and I think... <sighs> Get rid of this crowd. It's... There's nothing interesting going on here. I'm going to have to have a press conference about this. Thank you, Mr. Crawford, for your assistance. Would this trigger my corruption move? When you exploit someone's ignorance of the arcane for personal gain, mark corruption. I think so. Got it. Marking corruption. You most definitely owe Silk a debt. Yep. Lovely. All right. So, Alex, are you just waiting for Victor to show up still? No, I think I'm going to be proactive about this. I definitely want Victor, you know, to, to do the thing, but I'm going to head out. I assume there's like a little alleyway or something out back that this brick got thrown through. I'm just going to go poke around a little bit, see what I can find out. Roll to let it out. That is a five. As you step out to look around, you're not able to find anything but you can't help but shake this feeling that something found you. It's kind of unsettling in a way that you're not used to. You're past most of this arcane bullshit. You've been around the block a few times, but something about what's noticed you feels different and uneasy. Hmm. So I think the way Alex is going to uh, respond to that is just kind of like put his hands in his pockets. He's still got that brick in there. 
very quickly look around, not see anything. But he's kind of intrigued at this, so when he goes back inside, he's just going to leave that back door open. I think I'm probably just going to hang out in the stockroom for a little bit, see if anything, you know, takes the offer. After about, like, 15 minutes or so, you hear footsteps, and then, uh, you know you're, um, begging to get robbed by leaving this open, right? Well, what do I really have that's worth taking? I don't know, Supernatural Society seems to think you have something in here worthwhile. And what do you think? Cass steps in and kind of looks around your stockroom. Can you describe your stockroom for me? It is probably uh, surprisingly bare. There are, you know, a few boxes with books that are either uh, to be unpacked or to be sent out for destruction. But it's not very big. There's probably like a little break room table there's probably a calendar, and otherwise it's just a featureless concrete room with, like, some shelving. I think that, uh, anything valuable would be in your office. Well, you would be mostly correct. I don't suppose you've seen anything, uh, in your time staking this out this morning. Hmm, <sighs> nothing unusual. Um, I saw a bird. Kind of weird for this time of year. All right, I'll bite. What kind? Uh, it was a yellow finch. Hmm. Well, I'm sure that doesn't mean anything. Could I interest you in... Oh, I'm waiting on someone to show up so I shouldn't go too far. Uh, a cup of coffee across the street. Sure. Why not? I think at that point I'm just going to, uh, you know, close the door, probably lock it again, and take Cass across the street to maybe throw her off the trail of something weird's going on. All right. Who's got something they want to do? We're all kind of at points where... I want to go with whoever's ready to do a thing. I do. We get a shot of Victor sitting on the bus, going over to Alex's place. His eyes closed, just inhaling and exhaling, focusing his mind. He opens his eyes for a moment. They're a little bit more yellow. As he's trying to let it out. He's not trying to turn into a werewolf or anything, but get in more in touch with his inner beast. Roll to let it out. I got a three. So what were you trying to do with this let it out? I was going to try and heal myself. As you are kind of like doing this focused in and out breathing, you're trying to make yourself heal, but it's not responding to you. But you kind of notice this weird scent on the bus. And when you kind of open your eyes and we see that yellow, they focus in on a man. He's sitting in one of those seats that face towards the center down a little bit from you. And he is reading some book, but is also kind of watching you out of the corner of his eye. I put a stop to my actions. I just relax. Try to relax. I uh, crack my neck instead. And then Victor is going to just wait and get off the bus when he's at Alex's. This person gets off before then. And it's weird because it's almost like this person lacks a scent. Well, if they don't smell like anything, I'm going to follow them off the bus. So they get off in Northview. Right before the neighborhood switch into Point Claire. So like in that really fancy schmancy part of Northview. Victor sees this person get off the bus and is intrigued. Doesn't smell anything on them. He looks down at himself and he obviously looks homeless. And then looks at like the nice buildings in the neighborhood that we stopped in. And he just lets the doors close in front of him and he stays on the bus. As the bus drives past, you notice the person. They're a Asian male, about average height, pretty standardly built, somebody who could just really easily blend into a crowd. And you see him smile at you through the windows as the bus drives past. My eye twitches. And I sit back down. Anybody else have anything they want to do? Jeremiah will approach Silk. Take him by the arm and start leading him away from a crime scene. Ah, uh, Silk, my uh, tragically fashionable young friend. I I'm feeling 
Uh, but it's time for a spot of lunch. Would you like care to join me? Certainly, and I'm very curious. Uh, get to know that new toy that you've just acquired. Ah, uh, I do believe I am too. Ah, uh, how do you say? I know a very nice place that does takeout. If you'd like to join me back at my apartment, uh, for this meal, somewhere far away from our dear police chief, who is probably going to quickly discover uh, a certain duplicitous ruse that we just concocted on her. Certainly. Uh, you go fetch your uh, gaudy monstrosity of a vehicle, and I will go grab mine. Lovely. I will meet you there. My car is much faster than yours. Yes, I know. You pointed out frequently. Anyway, uh, I'll call ahead and arrange the delivery close to when we're both supposed to arrive back at my place. Waste no time getting it all together. And then uh, I do want to have a little chat with you about some uh, curiously odd events that have been going down today. Does seem to be going around. Jeremiah and Silk are going to go get lunch. Alistair, do you have anything else you want to do before Theodora picks you up? Well, I would like to go to the mirror in my manor and see if I could get in contact with the spirits of my sadly deceased parents. Your mom is there. As I walk in, I have the letter in my hand and I say, Oh, dearest mother, I have some questions. Oh, and what is that? Well, you see, I received a letter this morning from dearest Theodora, and, well, I haven't heard from her in quite some time. I was wondering if there might be... Something you could tell me about that section of our family tree. Well, my dear son, they were the ones who took over the coven when your father and I were excommunicated. And remind me, why was that again? What our family history is so foggy. Had something to do with the demon portal in the basement. Ah, yes, that. Um, Theodora is Estelle's only child. Estelle was your father's dear, dear sister. Um, the two of them, Estelle and your father, were thick as thieves growing up. You know, being twins will do that to you, but things changed. And do we have any idea why Theodora may be reaching out to me now of all times? I mean, Estelle did pass away a few weeks ago, and presumably Theodora's the one who's taking over the coven. We're the stronger masters of the arcane arts, so power begets power. She might just be making a play to strengthen her ranks. I will keep that in mind. Does Alistair know, like, the cause of death of his aunt? Apparently natural causes, according to the obituary, she was getting up there in age, not like super, super old, but she was getting up there and she came down with pneumonia and was not able to recover. All right. I think Alistair probably makes like awkward small talk with his mom for a little bit after that, just waiting on Theodora to show up. She asks you annoying questions about how your New Year's Eve went. How's the potion making going? Are you eating enough? Have you fixed that window in the West Wing yet? Like, there's, like, uh, she's your mom. She's a little overbearing. Yeah, Alistair, like, tries to make it seem like he's taking care of himself. He's not. So we have the Alex and Victor scene, the Jeremiah and Silk scene, and the Alistair and Theodora scene. Who wants to go next? I'm pretty solid idea of what I want to do with my scene. What type of food did you get for takeout? Jeremiah has wanted to try a new Chinese place that just opened up. He's heard uh, a few good things about it through the Arcane Network and hasn't had an opportunity to sample it. All right, so we get that shot of Jeremiah and Silk in Jeremiah's apartment with very delicious Chinese food. Jeremiah will uh, carefully extricate the four items he now possesses, place them on his work table, and uh, turn to Silk. 
now, my old friend, before we get into the business of examining these artifacts, I was wondering if I could uh, get your help in a matter. Jeremiah is cashing in debt. Um, help with what? A member of the... Well, a sort of member of the network. Um, recently found himself uh, indisposed inside of a fountain. Rather a nasty, nasty amount of cuts on his chest. I am passingly familiar with this chap. I don't know anything more than that. And I do believe the police have um, certain items I'd rather them not have. So how do you rate your burglary skills? my dear friend. I'm afraid I haven't tried that one. Um, well, I'm willing to try. It's excellent. Um, I, I saw Victor reading that um, this man, uh, Kieran Shear, had a ledger in his possession. I do believe that uh, police have now have that in his possession, I figure. Hell, he gets indisposed. Might be some clues in there that I could find. I'd very much like your help in liberating the ledger from police custody. Hmm. Well, that will certainly be interesting. Hmm. Why not? I'm in. Ah, very good, very good, old boy. Uh, if you excuse me for a second, Silk. Ah, there's another call I need to make. And he's going to ring up Alex. Uh, oh, sorry, Cass. Excuse me just a moment. I need to take this. And I'm going to uh, just, you know, walk outside. Hello. Ah, uh, good to hear from you, old boy. How have things been? Someone threw a brick through my mo uh, window this morning, so they've been. That sounds largely uh, very inconvenient for you. I'd hate to have uh, one of my windows smashed by an errant piece of masonry. Yes, was there a reason for this call? Yes, uh, I needed your help in a matter. A unfortunate shop owner by the name of Kieran Shear has ended up uh, dead inside of a fountain. Oh, wait, hold on. I read the paper this morning. Is this that serial killer thing? Most likely, yes. But uh, one can never be too sure. That, uh, that is why I'm calling you. Um, how would you rate your burglary skills, my dear boy? That largely depends on what you want burgled. Well, uh, me and another associate, Silk, uh, well, myself mostly, want to liberate this man's ledger from the hands of the police. Figured, um, I'm only passing a familiar man, but it might give us some insight into what maybe he was doing that got him killed. And I don't suspect it's, uh, solely the, um, item he was wearing's fault. You heard about anything of that? You know, I haven't. I've been slightly preoccupied this morning. You want a ledger from the police, and you think that I can help you get it? Uh, that is correct. Oh, I think I can do that. Uh, when did you need this? Probably not today. I imagine the police are going to be ever too vigilant on the evidence for today. Oh, let's set a day. Hmm. Uh, I guess either tomorrow or two days from now. Uh, so two days uh, for a ledger, and you said this gentleman's name was Kieran? Kieran Shearer. Kieran Shearer. He ran a, um... Oh, doesn't matter. He's dead now. I just wanted to make sure I knew the name. You'll have it. Thank you very much. Uh, I assume you're familiar with Silk? We've met. Yes, well, he is also consulting in this matter. Uh, I will provide what support I can, and you two will be the main uh, muscle on the ground, as it were. <laughs> uh, don't you worry, Jeremiah. Your friend Alex has this. Yes, and I'll uh, consider a favor for uh, supplying you with certain items. Uh, cleared. Oh, oh, but of course. Uh, a service which I greatly appreciate. Well, uh, take care, my good friend, and let's say a meet here tomorrow afternoon, and we'll discuss the finer details of getting in. Of course. I'll make a few calls. Jeremiah, as you hang up the phone, you see that you have a text from Dinah that says, meeting went well. Do you have dinner plans? No dinner plans as of yet. Now it's examining artifact time. 
Scholar basic move is appraisal. When you appraise an arcane object, roll with mine. On a hit, ask the MC questions. On a 10 plus, ask two. On a 7 to 9, ask one. So let's examine the circlet first, as that seems to be a focus of attention. That is a 9. Let's go with what secrets or powers does this object contain? As you are looking over the circlet, you see a variety of runes and various symbols etched on the inside. It allows whoever has the corresponding hand mirror to see whatever the circlet sees, and if it is being worn by a person, here are their thoughts. Interesting. Now I need to find a hand mirror. I will tell you, just because you're the scholar and you would notice these things, the tarot deck and the carved stone bones are exactly what they seem like. They are items used to tell the future. There is nothing special about them. The tarot deck is well-worn. Alright, and the ring. That's another nine. What secrets or powers does this object contain? The ring itself seems very mundane, but there is a seal on it. The ring, it's kind of like a Freemason ring almost, uh, but the seal is a flower with the stem broken. So it seems to be representing membership in some sort of organization. It can be used as a key for something. The question is what? Jeremiah will turn to Silk. Um, so it would seem that this circlet is a mighty interesting little piece, but it is uh, missing a corresponding mirror. Uh, supposedly, you put this on a person, and the mirror allows you to hmm, see through their eyes and see their thoughts. Which is quite interesting if we can find the mirror. Probably don't want this getting into the hands of anyone too dangerous. Well, that's interesting. Then does that mean someone saw what happened to your friend? Highly likely. Someone's most likely running around with a mirror. Unless our dear Mr. Shear left it in his shop. Hmm. Which I don't think is very likely, but it'll be worth checking out once the police are cleared out of there. These, uh, cards of the bones. Ah, oh, nothing particularly interesting about them. Unless you happen to be an oracle in need of a new medium. Tarot cards and ordinary bones. Used for telling the future, but quite useless to one such as myself, and I don't know if you'd, uh, consider taking them. I don't know if you're, you have an interest in such things. I don't know if this is up your alley. Hmm. Fortune-telling isn't really all that interesting to me. Oh, very well. I've known you to collect uh, certain oddities. and figured it uh, might be useful in your hands, but I'm sure I can always pass them on to someone else. It's not the oddities that I collect so much as the the meanings behind them. And these are... Useless to my uh, needs. Oh, very well, very well. Uh, next up is this ring. Um, not too sure about this one. As far as I can tell, it's completely normal. But it does seem to represent something. Membership or whatnot. And, um, interesting enough. Well, as far as I can tell, it might fit into something else. Which is equally odd for a ring. Is that a a seal or an icon on it? Yes. Flower of a broken stem. Happened to mean anything to you? Mm, not to me personally, but I can always ask around, maybe see if someone recognizes it. Mm, that could even be very dangerous or very, very informative. I'm not entirely sure which one it might be. Why not both? Mm, most likely both. Well, I do hate to get information at the wrong end of a gun. And I figure that uh, since neither of us knows these chaps, that might be where this ring takes us. You mortals and your safety issues. Well, I mean, I do very much care to have uh, my blood inside of my body. Oh, anyway, about uh, a call I made, uh, our dear friend Alex. Um was going to be giving us a hand in lifting this uh, unfortunate ledger the police have taken interest in, get it out of their hands, and 
into mine. You've asked a vampire for assistance. Uh, he is remarkably sneaky, I hope. Based from the stories I've read about vampires, they do happen to be good at this sort of thing. And I figured that, well, better had to have three people on this case with skills in uh, every area we might need versus just uh, myself or just you and I. Well, owing one of them a debt is nearly as bad as owing one of my kind. Well, uh, you don't need to fear, old boy. Uh, I do believe it is my neck on the line, or a venuris in this case. I'm not entirely sure that he has a taste for my neck. Uh, even better. You are, or should be, quite safe in this matter, then. Uh, Silk does take a picture of the seal, so we can ask around about it later. All right, so we get a shot now of a nice vehicle. It's a nice-looking small hatchback SUV in um, dark maroon color. And we get the shot of the driver's door opening and out steps Theodora. Theodora has strawberry blonde hair that she has tied back in a French braid. The braid goes all the way down to her waist. She has dark blue eyes and is wearing thick maroon glasses. She's a bit on the shorter side and is dressed the way that Alistair should be dressed for trying to look important, but actually with the current times. Alistair, for his part, has attempted to do his best to actually make himself look presentable. It's not working great, but he thinks he looks pretty good. His outfit is hanging off of himself probably more than should be acceptable. Uh, lots of purple and gray, as well as a peacoat that looks like it's seen more seasons of wear than it should have. As he comes down the front steps of the manor, he sort of throws his hand up towards his cousin and says, Theodora, it's been, what, 20-something years since we've last seen each other? Something like that, our parents and their old grudges, you know. Yes, I do want to offer my condolences about Aunt Estelle. She kind of casually waves her hand, maybe a little too casually. She doesn't seem very cut up about it. Alistair is going to just, like, slide into the passenger seat of the car. It's real nice. There are heated seats. It is like leather interior, the highest in systems, got all the cameras, all that shit. Theodora starts the car and says, uh, I hope you don't mind. I was thinking we could go do our coffee at the country club. Ah, uh, yes, that sounds delightful. I'd ask how you've been doing lately, but Indy like looks around the car. It seems as if that question comes pre-answered. Well, work is going well. Um, of course, I am saddened about my mother's passing, but all of our kinds seem to go a little bit earlier than their time, don't they? Uh, how about you? Well, you know, keeping the manor running is in itself a full-time job. Uh, Mom and Dad say hi, of course. She raises her eyebrows at that. Oh, did you, uh, not know about the... Yes, they communicate with me still. It's, uh, quite a handy little trick. Fascinating. You might have to show me that one sometime. Yes, we shall see how this day goes. Uh, I'm surprised you still remembered the address to the manor, to be quite honest with you. Why? Well, as I said, it's been... 20-some years since we've last had contact, I... Well, to be honest, our parents never really... Or my parents, at least, never really told me exactly what happened. I quite assume that your side of the family, well, detested mine, to be quite blunt with you. Old grudges, my dear cousin. I see no reason why we should let the sins of the past shape our futures. And at the end of the day, it is still the Lockwood Manor. Yes, indeed it is. I think the two of you just kind of have more polite, awkward car talk. Theodora's obviously not ready to start talking business with you yet. 
you get kind of like the feeling that she's just trying to like feel out where you're at right now. It's clear she hasn't been following you or anything. Like she knew where the Lockwood Manor was. She knew that you existed, but you know, she doesn't really seem to know much more than that. It's pretty awkward. Yeah, Alistair is trying to sort of get a read on her as well. He's very guarded in his responses. I'm going to give you a figure someone out roll. Hey, that's a seven, my first partial success. So on a hit, hold two. On a seven to nine, they hold one on you as well. All right, so my first one is going to be, what is she hoping to get from this coffee date? You get the feeling based on these conversations that she has big plans. She is somebody with a lot of ambition and she needs power. And even if there is that history, she knows that you have power and she's hoping to get a relationship with you to exploit that in the future. All right. Who is pulling Theodora's strings? Alistair gets the feeling that she's maybe acting of her own volition, but like she's probably been nudged in this direction. So in this conversation, she drops the name of Elijah Bonaparte. You've not heard this name before, but she kind of just like casually drops it. And you get the feeling that from what she's talking about, that this is someone who joined the Lockwood Coven after the separation of your parents, who she is involved with and who has cued her into something that has her worried. All right. Would it be possible for me to put a face to a name to learn a reputation about him? Or is he that unknown to me? You can try. Let's see what happens. That would be the power faction. All right. Wait, I rolled with mortality. I mean, technically, that's the same roll. Oh, I mean, if you want to take the six, we can take the six. I'm good with that. As you're, like, sitting there, like, prodding her and, like, trying to figure out and see if you know this guy, she's kind of, like, waving you off as you're approaching the country club. And when she pulls up, like, she rolls down the window and to the guard, and it's just like, Oh, hi, Hendrick. How are the kids? And she like has this really like brief small talk with the guard. And he kind of looks over and is just like, are you bringing in a guest, Miss Lockwood? You see her just pull a 50 out and hand it to him. Yeah, but don't throw a fit about it, please. And he just shrugs and opens the gate. And she just turns back to you and is like, sorry, they're a little finicky here. Um, I, I have a private room in there. Of course you do. It is the Lockwood way. She smirks. So the two of you get settled into like this private study area. There's like a whole high tea, high coffee thing set up already. When you get in there, somebody brings a coffee that's made exactly to Theodora's specifications without her even asking. And then it's just the two of you in this study with a nice fireplace. This is like the opposite of everything you're used to. It's all plush and rich. And this is what your family name should be. And she's got it all. Yeah, this this is something that Alistair hasn't really experienced since he was probably very, very young before his parents died. I think there's like a couple of awkward minutes where he just doesn't know like how to carry himself, how to start a conversation. And it's just sort of him looking around, trying to act like he belongs. Theodora kind of like gives you some social grace there and allows you to settle. And then says, I like it here because it's, it's quiet. And this is one of the few places where I've spent enough money that I can be guaranteed nobody's listening. Uh, that is... A luxury, I can say, I've been afforded in quite some time. If I may cut quite to the chase, is this conversation something you need to guarantee that ears do not pick up on? Yes. You say this is a luxury that um, you haven't been afforded in quite some time, and maybe we could change that. How could I get you to leave behind the old grudges, leave behind what I'm sure is your desire to bring the Lockwood name back to 
whatever you think it should mean, as I've heard from the streets, and join up with me instead. Well, that quite depends on what it is that you want me to join up with, isn't it? You say you want me to leave behind my aspirations. What new ones would you write for me, dearest cousin? I mean, the Lockwood Coven would be all yours once I get what I'm after. And what might that be? By this point, he has settled onto a couch and has a coffee cup in his hand that he's sipping from. There is another... Oh, coven's not the right word, but it's the only word I can think of. That is running the city from the shadows. And I have on good knowledge that the current leader is nearing the end of his time. And that this group tends to have their own ritualistic way of appointing the next leader, where others may be able to impose themselves. And you would like for me to instill you in that position, I assume? I would love your assistance in that manner. I know that along with your parents' excommunication from the coven and still legally holding the deed to the Lockwood Manor, that you have quite a wealth of knowledge available to you that has been taken from the rest of the coven, so to speak. Oh, you flatter me so. And what, pray tell, is included in this ritual? How would you go about becoming this leader? That I am still working on and still investigating, and I could use more ears on the ground there. You seem to have quite a interesting network of your own. Um, but I know that with your power backing me, my chances would be better. So, if I may restate the terms of this verbal contract, I help to instill you in the leadership of this rival group, and you turn over the control of our home coven to me? Yes. All of your parents' sins will be wiped from the books. You, as the older cousin, will take your rightful place, as you always should have been the leader of the coven, and you have an ally in a strong place. So what can you tell me about this other group? And Alistair leans forward to indicate that he is very heavily considering accepting this offer. They have something to do with the churches. How convenient. It's brilliant, really. Get everybody to join your worship and they'll ignore all the weird shit. Um, and it's not just masters of the arcane arts like us involved. They seem to have quite a coalition of types. It's an old group. It's been around since before the Lockwood Coven even came here, evidently. And that's about all I've been able to piece together so far. Leave it to me, dearest Theodore. I'm sure I can dig up some necessary dirt. Um, in the meantime, the Coven meets on um, Thursdays at 7pm in... My manor in Northview, should you ever want to drop in. I'll bring a coffee cake when I show. So I think you do have kind of just more casual chat. And Alex and Victor. Victor immediately goes to Alex's bookstore and immediately goes to the back. He's looking for that broken window. There's the guy working on the broken window. Alex gets good turnaround. I think Alex has definitely uh, been watching for Victor to show up, so he's going to make his way across the street at a reasonable pace. Victor sees the guy, inhales for a moment, then looks around and sees Alex coming. I can't do what I need if this guy's here. I think that's easy enough. Alex is basically just going to you know, head over. I think what Alex is going to do is say that he wants a very particular style of window, uh, since this one got broken so easily. Obviously, he's going to you know, offer to pay whatever extra in materials are necessary, but this will necessitate him going to get a new thing. Uh, of course, Mr. Giroux. Um, I'll, I'll have to come back tomorrow, though. It's getting late. Oh, I'm, I'm sure that will be quite soon enough. Thank you. And window worker leaves. And just kind of like makes a hand motion over at Victor. Victor walks into the back alley and closes his eyes. And he inhales deeply through his nose. And he's trying to get a scent for everyone who's been back here recently. All right, roll to let it out. 
Hey, I got a partial success. That's a seven. On a hit, choose one and mark corruption. I'm going to extend my senses, supernatural or otherwise. You get the scent of Alex that you're familiar with, blood mixed with sand. You get a scent that you're not familiar with of kind of a very light perfume that's girlish and young. And you get the scent of foxglove and incense. And the scent of the window worker, which is just like sweat and human. Does foxglove and incense mean anything to you? That is an excellent question. You've been up to the spooky church enough times to know that there's actually a lot of foxglove that grows up there. I think Alex just kind of pauses for a moment. Victor, um, what kind of incense? It's incense. I don't, I'm not a connoisseur. Hmm. Maybe from a church? Mm-hmm. Do you think you could, uh, oh, track this scent? Yeah, I can do that. If you would be so kind. All right, I'm a hunt them. Bloodhound. When you hunt someone, roll with blood. That's an eight. On a hit, you know exactly where to find them and can follow their scent until you do. All right, you are able to follow the scent further north into Point Claire until you reach a gated mansion. The gate um, is like clearly electronically controlled. There's like one of those little boxes that you can press to call in and ask somebody to let you in. And the mansion itself is large. It's definitely somebody important from the city lives here. Whoever it is is definitely still in that mansion. You can smell the scent going in. There's no scent coming out. This is the place. Do I have any idea who lives here? Would you like to investigate a place of power? You know, I think I might. Roll with mortality. As a 13. On a hit, you see below the surface to the reality underneath. The person who lives here is Rosalie Mercier. She is the CEO of one of the major banks and stock traders downtown. She is rich, and she's one of the people who can snap her fingers and get basically anything she wants in this city. I think what I would like to know about this place is, I don't assume that Rosalie threw that brick through my window herself, but if she had someone do it, I'd like to try and figure out who that is, if that's something that I can do here. You know enough about Rosalie, like she's actually like bought a book from your shop before. You know that like this is not something she would do. You and her in your brief interactions are on perfectly fine terms. You know she has an extensive staff. And given that it is New Year's Day, the only staff that's going to be there are the groundskeepers and the housekeepers. At the point in day of which the brick was thrown, you're more inclined to think that it was a housekeeper. So I think at this point, uh, Alex is just going to kind of like pat Victor on the shoulder. Thank you very much for your assistance. I believe I can take it from here. Good. I'm done being your hound dog for today. <laughs> Victor. Don't think about it like that. You're not my hound. We just have a complicated relationship. Sure. I've got to go solve a murder. Excuse me. I'm assuming not one you committed this time. If I needed to do that, it would be fix a murder. Good night. And good luck to you. So I think Alex's plan at this point, since we know that uh, the person that threw this is still here, I got some time to kill. I'm just going to hang out, see who leaves. Anybody else have anything? I actually think Silk wants to make a phone call to Victor now. Victor picks up his phone and throws it against a wall. We're sorry. The number that you have dialed is currently unavailable. Please try again later. That's rude. He looks at his broken phone, closes his eyes, clenches his fist, and leaves. Jeremiah wants to do some research. What type of research are you thinking? So he wants to retreat to his private collection to research for ring. You have a choice here. As like we get the shot of Jeremiah starting to like head towards his office, phone on vibrate and text message back from Dinah that says, 
Champagne Brewery, six o'clock, you have enough time to get there to do dinner with her. Or you can snub her and do your research. I just got time to do her research. He's going to put the circlet and ring into his bag. Safekeeping. He's going to carefully pack up the tarot deck and the bones into separate containers, put them into one of his many drawers, lock up, and go to dinner. He's got time to research later. All right, so we get those couple of shots of Jeremiah driving to the Champagne Brewery, which is in Harbor Heights. It's a nice lakefront brewery. They have very fancy beers and very fancy food, but it's all real good. It's kind of impressive that Dinah got a seat today, actually. She must have already had these reservations. And when he, like, walks in to find Dinah, um, she's already sitting at a table waiting for him. And we get a shot of a bit of a bruise that's forming on her jawline. Someone needs to die. Silk, how are you spending your evening? Immediately after the uh, the phone and wall incident, Silk will look at his phone and go, Well, I was going to help you with your murder investigation, but I guess we'll see who else might be interested in that information. And then I don't think he has any particular plans for the evening. All right, so we get Silk and his petty statement to his phone as he uh, gets into his car and heads away. Victor, what you doing? I'm not going home for dinner. I am going to go back to the fountain, which I'm assuming is more or less cleaned up at this point. Yeah, it's more or less cleaned up at this point. There's still some like press and stuff hanging around, but it's getting like sun starting to go down. I take out that fragment. I cut off a blanket earlier and dipped in Kieran's blood. I'm going to smell it and I'm going to find out wherever someone went that might have smelled like it. We get a couple of scenes of like Victor following the scent kind of following an illogical pattern through Eldersburg until we get to that point where there's just the bridge over to Northview and that river that kind of cuts through the peninsula and the scent just drops dead here. Like, even if you cross through the river and go to the other side, there's no more scent. It's just gone. Victor stands on the bridge in the cold. Fuck. And finally, we come back to Alex. Who's taking out Rosalie Mercier's mansion? Yep, waiting for a housekeeper. You see, like, a couple of people start to leave. You see, like, a couple of the groundskeepers leave, and then you start seeing the housekeepers leave. And as you're watching them, one of the housekeepers kind of catches your eye um, because there is a piece of foxglove pinned in her hair. So, Alex is going to follow her for a moment and i think what he's looking for is an opportunity where she is more or less by herself you get it when she goes to her car like she's parked farther out than the other housekeepers she must have gotten here later than them i think as she's trying to like you know get into her car alex is basically just going to uh vampire swoop up behind her and just tap her lightly on the shoulder And as we get that tap and her jumping surprised, our camera fades to black. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, make sure to subscribe to us on your preferred podcatcher and follow us on Twitter at St. Fleur Pod. If you want to support the creators who are bringing you this content, consider becoming a patron. You can find us on Patreon at the link in the episode description. Shadows of St. Fleur's and Urban Shadows actual play podcast, emceed and edited by Caitlin Cornell. You can find her on Twitter at SuperCaitlin1. Alistair, who has to be snuck into country clubs, is voiced and played by Andy. You can find him on Twitter at AndyLion92. Alex, who the window worker really hates for being that customer, is voiced and played by Jeremy. You can find him on Twitter at Tayuface. Silk, who definitely just helped Jeremiah out of the goodness of his heart, is voiced and played by Eric. You can find him on Twitter at PrimeFactorX01. 
Victor, whose mothers are very disappointed he didn't come home for dinner, is voiced and played by Evan. You can find him on Twitter at Nyquist underscore J-E. And finally, Jeremiah, the mastermind behind choosing the Otis crew to rob the police, is voiced and played by Matthew. Urban Shadows is a Powered by the Apocalypse tabletop role-playing game written, designed, and developed by Andrew Medeiros and Mark Diaz-Truman. It is published by Magpie Games, who you can find at magpiegames.com or on Twitter at MagpieOfficial. The intro music used in this episode was Epic Unease by Kevin McLeod. You can find his work at Encompotech.com. The outro music used in this episode is Dark Carnival VL by Paratoon. You can find their work at Paratoon.com. Farewell, dear listener. We'll see you next time you visit St. Fleur. <laughs>